Which which way is the front? Which way is the front? Hmm. All around us, kid, because it's Germany. We're surrounded by crowds. Is that right, Grady? That's right. Can I please have my book back? What are your cigarettes? I don't smoke. Hey, you go to tank school? Tank school? No. Never even seen the inside of a tank. I'm a clerk typist. I was heading to Fifth Corps HQ. They pulled me off the truck. They sent me here. There's got to be a mistake. Mistake. Army don't make mistake. Do what to do. You from Missouri? No. Are you from Chicago? Nah, you from Arkansas, ain't you? <laughs> Are you a praying man? I go to church. Who's your nomination, are you? Episcopalian? Yeah, you are. You're a mainliner, ain't you? Yeah, I am. Are you saved? I'm baptized. <laughs> yeah, that ain't what I asked you. That ain't what he asked you. Go to what I asked him. Hey, you gotta listen. Are you saved? Wait until you see. See what? What a man can do to another man. That's from uh, the movie Fury. Um, it, based on rating, I, I don't want to recommend it for everybody. I know that there's a, a couple movies out there that as my kids get older, I'm going to make sure they watch them so they get a good idea of what war really is. That's one of them. Uh, it's kind of up to you whether that's the movie for you and your family, but um, uh, pretty, uh, pretty excellent movie when it comes to really showing what uh, humanity is capable of. Wait until you see what a man can do to another man. In Uvalde, Texas, an 18-year-old walked into an elementary school and killed 19 children and two teachers, May 24, 2022. I remember sitting in U.S. history class my junior year of high school, and the fire alarm went off. It wasn't a scheduled fire drill, and we all kind of looked at our teacher and, and assumed, you know, in that situation, you typically know what you're supposed to do, but he looked at us, and we looked at him, and nobody moved, because in that class, we had literally just finished a discussion about a recent event where a couple students pulled their school's fire alarm, and as their classmates exited the building, they opened fire. And so we didn't know if we should go or stay. That was spring of 1998. In Franklin County, Pennsylvania, four men walked into a school killed a teacher and 10 young students. July 26, 1764. The oldest documented site of a mass killing is, what it, is in what is now modern-day Croatia, and they date it to approximately 6,000 years ago. You guys inspired yet? I should have slept in this morning. Justin woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> Let's keep going backwards. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. We can go back a little bit further. Romans chapter 3. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Let's keep going backwards. Genesis chapter 6. Just before the great flood. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. <coughs> Go back a couple pages before that, a couple chapters before that in Genesis 4. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor, so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Within less than a generation of Eden, a guy got killed. Wait until you see what a man can do to another man. Wait until you see what we do to each other. Wait until you see what we do to ourselves. But it wasn't always that way. That's not how it was designed to be. It wasn't designed that way. So what happened? In the beginning, back in Genesis there where we were reading, it, we find out that it wasn't just good. It was more than good. Genesis 1.31 it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It means exceedingly good, powerfully good. Good in its individual parts, good as a completed whole. It was very good. It was exceedingly good. And then it broke. And we see in Genesis 3, God describing how things will be now that Adam and Eve have strayed from God's command, chosen to do their own thing. And this is what the world will now look like going forward. Genesis 3, 16. To the woman he said, 
I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children, and your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Then cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Broken. Broken relationships, the way that we relate to each other as husband and wife. Broken in the way that we interact with and relate to our children. Broken in the way that we approach and pursue and enjoy and prioritize work. Broken in the way that we live on and interact with the planet. Broken in the way that we understand and value and interact with our Creator. Broken bodies and broken lives that will all end in death. And how do we think it gets fixed? Right? Because in every one of the horrific events that I've mentioned, in every horrific event that we can think of throughout history, someone came along, some group came along in the aftermath and evaluated the situation. And as is expected, they came to some conclusion about what course of action would have prevented it or could have prevented it or should have prevented it or needs to prevent it in the future. Now, sometimes there are steps that can be taken, right? In the course of human events, God has established governments and people in authority to evaluate things and make decisions, make difficult decisions in the midst of it to change this or adjust that. Let's tighten things here. Let's allow more freedom there. But throughout history, it's the same conversation, same basic ideas, different centuries, and we just keep killing each other. Killing each other physically, sure. But killing each other with our words, our sharp comments, our biting sarcasm, our passive-aggressive remarks when I'm sorry would be far more appropriate. Killing our marriages because we can't get enough of the girl on Instagram. Killing our families because we've made it perfectly clear that the people on the other end of the text conversation are more important than the people on the other end of the couch. Killing our kids because we value our personal pride and reputation more than what's actually best for them. Killing our communities with unnecessary judgments and gossip and bickering and betrayal. All of our best efforts over the course of thousands of years of human history and human systems and human evaluations and human changes and human governments have only served to confirm one thing. We are so broken. Wait until you see what a man can do to another man. So what's the fix? Or maybe to better ask the question the way a previous generation asked it, what must we do to be saved from this mess, from this brokenness? Acts 16.31 provides the answer to that very question. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And I need you to know, this 
it may seem, depending on your background or where you're at in life or what you've experienced and how, or how personal some of the brokenness is to you on this particular day, it, this isn't to downplay any potential or necessary changes to human systems and structures, right? So, some changes are needed, some are not needed. Some changes you're right about and some changes you're wrong about, right? Some, but, but humans have proven over and over and over again that human things break every time. Maybe not right away. There are some things that we as humans come up with and develop and adjust and, and manufacture and, and, and put into place that maybe are necessary and good in the moment, but over time, they will always inevitably fail. Human things break every time. And so we need something more reliable. We need something deeper than what humans think of. We need something more eternal than what humans are capable of. Something that takes us back to the original created intent of this life. Something that begins the process of healing and restoration to the things that are broken. The things that are broken out there and the things that are broken in here. And what we discover is that the only solution to our brokenness is Jesus. The only solution to our brokenness is Jesus. Belief in him, dependence on him, submission to him, trusting in him, doing things like him, doing things his way, pursuing his kingdom and not a kingdom of our own creation. The only solution to our brokenness is Jesus. So what about you? Because, yeah, it's broken out there. And we, collectively, as humanity, are broken. But we are broken because I am broken and because you are broken. And so what about you? Here's the amazing thing about Jesus and God in the midst of our lives, if we will let him. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. This is in the midst of God's people once again coming back to him and saying, we have messed up, we are broken, we've strayed from you, we've strayed from what your design is and what your intent for our lives is. And, so what, what, and God says, if you'll just come back to me, if you'll turn back to me, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit. Instead of just who you are, I'll put myself in you and pour myself out on you. And so in the midst of, of all the brokenness around you in the midst of the brokenness that we each experience in our lives, have you been given a new heart? The only solution is Jesus. And he's made it very simple. For it. There's, there's a lot of words in this book and there's a lot of stories and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of great moments and a lot of devastating moments. We're gonna start a series on the book of Judges next week and we're gonna see what a mess people are and how God steps in and uses and pours out his spirit on people and makes anything possible for them because of his presence. But in the midst of all of these amazing things, God makes it very simple. He made it very good. And we broke it. And because we broke it, we are broken. And if we'll simply return to him, Give our lives back to him. Give our hearts back to him. He will make us new, beginning on the inside, and then from the inside out, 
starting to change not only who we are on the inside, but who we are on the outside and who the world is around you as his spirit fills us and makes the changes necessary. But it's simply a matter of saying, God, I believe what you have said. I believe that Jesus is God and came to this planet and lived in the midst of the brokenness, lived a perfect, sinless life, and then sacrificed that sinless life on behalf of our sinful lives, on behalf of our brokenness. He became broken to fix our brokenness. And if we will lean into that and believe that and accept that with our heart and live it with our lives, he promises, I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going, to, I'm going to change you from the inside out. And all of a sudden, even in the midst of brokenness, a broken world and broken people and broken families, he said, I'm going to make you clean on the inside. I'm going to, I'm going to restore to you what I created you to be what I intended you to be. And it's a process. There's the work of sanctification that happens where we allow God to work in our lives, but he makes us new and he forgives us of our role in the brokenness and forgives us and makes us clean. We have to give him our hearts and give him our lives. That is salvation. That is the solution to our brokenness. It's only found in Jesus. Many of you have made that decision. You, you've experienced that moment of saying, man, I do believe, I get it, right? Different ages, different contexts, different people guiding us, different verses that grabbed us, different songs that moved us, right? All experiencing that. And so if that is you and you experienced that moment or that season where you came to faith and you, you expressed belief in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, then the next question becomes, not only have you been given a new heart, but does your life bring him glory? Because just like our original intended purpose was to be in a relationship with him, our, part of that intended purpose was to walk with him and experience life the way he designed it. Our created purpose, when everything was still very good, gets expressed in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. It says, now all has been heard. And the author of this has experienced every possible version of human brokenness. He, he has experienced brokenness because of pursuing wealth, brokenness because of pursuing a good time, a brokenness because of pursuing unhealthy relationships and, and, and all of the different things that the world has to offer. He pursued it in pursuit of how it's supposed to feel, how it's supposed to be, but all he experienced was more brokenness. He said, this is all pointless. This is, this is worthless. And he wraps it up at the end of Ecclesiastes and says, now all has been heard. It's all been experienced. It's all been tried. Here's the conclusion of the study. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And then Isaiah 43 in Revelation 4, God tells us that we were formed. He created us for his glory. We were created for a greater purpose. And in Christ, our hearts have been restored to a greater purpose. But we have to ask ourselves, where is brokenness still allowed to flourish in our lives? Even in the midst of a new heart, where do we allow brokenness to flourish in our lives? It could be a big thing, big, scary, awkward thing where if people knew it, a public thing, it could be really subtle and easy to hide and only you know about it or only you and the people closest to you. It could be something you're doing. It could be something you're resisting doing. Where are you allowing brokenness to flourish and preventing your life from bringing him glory? I'm going to enter into a time of communion um, 
And, and if you had, didn't have a chance, there's cups at the back of the room that you can snag any time you, you get a chance. But, um, and Brian's going to come and, and kind of lead us through that time in song. But David gives us a prayer in the book of Psalms where he says, he says, God, create in me a clean heart. David recognizes not just the brokenness around him, but the brokenness within his own life. David was a man who, in, in the midst of his brokenness and mistakes, he was pursuing God, right? He had that relationship with God, and God used him in powerful ways. But David would look at his own life and say, God created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And so as we transition into communion, this is an, an awesome time. Um, and by the way, I don't know if Brian's in here. If he's back there, somebody go grab him. He gets a little distracted. Um, <laughs> uh, this time of communion, first of all, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you're welcome to join us. I know sometimes we get folks who visit from other churches and different traditions have different ways of doing things. And so we welcome you. If you're, if you're a Christ follower, this is uh, for you, not just for those who are regular or, uh, attenders of Fieldstone, but we do ask that, that you use this moment wisely. And you, and you use, as, as much as communion is a celebration of what Jesus did and what he offers us uh, in his sacrifice and in his resurrection, it's also a moment to really process and evaluate. Number one, have I been given a new heart? Have I expressed my belief and my faith and my trust in Jesus? Have I begun that relationship? And then beyond that, if, if the answer to that is yes, then beyond that, is my life bringing him glory? What are the areas where I've allowed brokenness to thrive? Maybe areas where I've allowed brokenness to seep in. Because sometimes we, we look at the brokenness around you like there's people killing each other out there. There's people shooting up schools. There's people doing this and that. It's these very messy, awkward public sins. Man, look at all the brokenness. But then we forget about the little things in our lives that are easy to hide, easily dismissed, easily pushed aside because we're not doing that. I'm not out there doing that. That's brokenness. I got issues, but that's brokenness. No, it's, it's all part of our brokenness. Where have we allowed things to seep in and take root in our lives? This is what communion gives us an opportunity where the preaching can stop for a few minutes. It can just be a moment between you and your God to say, all right, we're where is it, Lord? Where, where am I giving way to it? Where am I allowing it in? Where have I ignored you? Where have I pushed your word aside? And so as Brian sings the first part of this song, I just want you to take these couple minutes and just process. All right. I know I'm saved. Right? Do I? Have I expressed that to the Lord? Do I believe? Maybe I have that assurance. But beyond that...